about idolatry. We, we start leaning on that thing that we've, we've trusted in the most anyway. We start leaning in on, on the people in our lives. We start leaning and depending on our finances instead of God to show up in our situations. We start leaning and depending on our friends and men instead of trusting his timing and his plan, instead of trusting, trusting that he is sufficient, instead of trusting in the Lord, we start figuring that we know what's best for us. Lord, this isn't good for me right here. This isn't, this isn't what I should be doing. This isn't your plan for me. So we start justifying it in our life, and it is sin. When we, when we stop waiting on the Lord and we start depending on ourselves, we are in sin. We are called to a dependency on the Lord that we never outgrow. In John 15, 5 through 6, it gives us a perfect picture of just how dependent we are supposed to be. If you would, turn with me to John 15, the, the fifth verse, the fifth and the sixth verses. John 15, 5 and 6, it reads, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branch, branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Sheep who outgrow their shepherd." Sheep who become independent of their shepherds are called lost sheep. And that's exactly what we become when we start leaning and dependent and trusting in and of our own self. When we start leaning and dependent on our own strengths that's in our life, we become lost sheep. When we start trusting in that plan just to get out of that situation, we are standing outside of the will of God. We are no longer close to the shepherd. And it's he that has to bring us back from that. Branches who are disconnected from the vine cannot withstand anything. They are dead. The same thing that causes branches that are connected to the vine to grow and to prosper, these same things cause branches that are not connected to decay. You can't stand anything if, you're, if you are not waiting on the Lord, if you're not connected to the vine. You can't withstand the sun. The same thing that makes you grow, that makes a connected vine grow, the sun, the water, even the cold sometimes. Those are the same things that are eating us up in our daily lives because we're not connected. We're not leaning and depending like we should be. And so are we when we're totally dependent of God. When we are connected to the true vine, our life and well-being is connected to his life and well-being. When we are disconnected from the vine, his, our life and well-being is totally dependent on ourselves and we can't sustain it. We can't stand under it. I'm so glad that Jesus is the vine that I'm connected to and he's alive and well. And he offers this to each and everybody who chooses to wait on him. David 
shows us the heart of a servant. He shows us an extreme confidence in the Lord. He says that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. He is my everything. To David, he was his everything. He was his first option. He was his second option. He was all in for God. He was the, he was the one who he got his instruction from. He could stand bold and say, the Lord is my light and my salvation because there wasn't sin issues holding him between him and, him and God. He desired so much the presence of God that he made sure that he was in right standing with God. You can't make this declaration. You can't make this declaration if you're standing contrary to God. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He is, he is light. Several times they, they call him light. Light exposes. Light disperses darkness. Light is, light is just like the word of God. It cuts coming and going. So if you're in darkness, it's going to expose you just as much as it's going to guide your path to the right direction. So in order to say that the Lord is my light, that means the Lord is in prox close proximity to me. He is the one that's guiding my, he is my Lord. He is the one, he is why I make my decisions. Whom shall I fear? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, he's, he's able to remain confident in God. Do you see what he's doing? He said, when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble. He's pointing to his track record. He's keeping close account of, what, of the victories of God in his life. And we have to do that too. A lot of times... And old time and time again, we see that Israel forgets the goodness of God over and over and over again. They forget how he delivered them from the Egyptians. He forget how he, they, he parted the Red Sea. He, they forget who delivered them from their troubles. And so do we sometimes. We have to keep a close account and we have to credit those good things in our life to God. We have to be we have to have a, a heart of gratitude for even the smallest of things that God does for us. But we see that, that David, he, he just doesn't keep this good account right here. He started off keeping that good account. And if you would, just turn with me. I, I just want to show you the heart of David in, in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37. We see even from, from when Samuel got on the scene, he was recognizing who God was in his life. He was recognizing the strength of his life. 1 Samuel 17, 34. This is, this is when little shepherd boy David was going against war-hardened Goliath. And he's standing before the king of Israel with extreme boldness as he says these words. He says, Saul says to David, but David said to Saul, your, ser your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear, and took a lamb from the flock. 35, I went after him 
and struck him and delivered it out of, the, uh, out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to him, go, and the Lord be with you. He has been leaning and depending on not his own strength, but the strength of the Lord to deliver him from all, all of his troubles. So we see that we, we must have a, a good track record in order to wait on the Lord like we should. There's a, there's a, there's a danger in forgetting, because forgetting leads to unbelief. When you remember and you constantly keep the goodness of God in the forefronts of your mind and, you, and you're remembering how God, God delivered you when, you when you couldn't provide for yourself, when you didn't have that job that you have now, when you didn't know how you were going to make it through college, when you didn't know how you were going to make it as a first-time mother, when you didn't know how you were going to make it through your marriage, when you don't keep these accounts of a track record of the goodness of God, we, we slip into unbelief. We start forgetting about the goodness of God. We start forgetting about the strength of our life. We start forgetting how we made it through those situations. We start accrediting it to other things. We start accrediting it to those people who may have helped in the situation or our own strength, our own finances, or just our own perseverance, our own strength, our inner strength, right? The Lord was David's one thing. If God gave you one thing, if he granted you one request right now, if he came to you and said, ask of me anything that you would, what would you ask for? Would it simply be him? Would he be enough for you to ask for him? Most of us will ask for more wishes, right? <laughs> like, that, that's the type of society that we live in today. We're going to manipulate the system, right? We're going to ask for more wishes so that we can keep asking and keep asking because we're never content. We never find satisfaction in what we have. Our sinful nature won't let us be content in waiting, content in trusting. Our trust has been so broken over, over putting our trust in the wrong things time and time again that we can't even trust something that's good. When good things start coming to our life, we start to doubt it. Our antennas go up like, oh man, something about to go wrong. It's been about two weeks. Ain't nothing went wrong. Ain't nobody called me for no money. My car ain't had no trouble. My kids are acting right. Something about to go down, right? <laughs> But God is good. And David, I'm, I'm wondering, because he doesn't have the privilege of the cross to look upon. How does he know? How is he so content in waiting? How does he know that the Lord is going to deliver? He, his enemies are encamped all about him. Saul at one point used his whole strength of, of the kingship to, to target one man. He found more comfort 
in the land of the Philistines than he did in Israel. Like, how does he say that the Lord is my light and my salvation? How is he not afraid right now? His heart was so in tune with God that it didn't respond to the situation. And a lot of times we slip into sin because our hearts are responding to fear. We are acting out of fear in a lot of our situations. We don't want this to happen. We, we, we got to do something. It's all on us. We, we must do something. Our hearts start responding out of the broken situations and creating more brokenness and more brokenness. But, heart, but David, if you see this, if you see in his word, it says in verse 3, Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rises against me, yet I will be confident. He was so settled in God. KB said it like this. He said, I would rather lose trust in God than win fearing men. So the things that I do, it isn't dependent on my situation. It's not dependent on my circumstance because we know, right, that life is going to happen. We live in a broken world where brokenness happens in our everyday lives. It's, it's just, we're one flick of the news channel away from hearing about another shooting. We're one, one news broadcast away from seeing more brokenness, like the, like the type of brokenness in Virginia Beach. But his heart does not, it's so in tune with God, it's so trusting in God. He says, he says later, he says later that his heart is seeking after the face of God. He is so intent on being in the presence of God and in the comforts of his tabernacle, in the comforts of his tent, that the outside world is just, is just something else. He is so content in God being his stronghold that he's not fearing men. He's not fearing the enemy, though he can see the enemy. Though the enemy is very real, though the enemy may even take his, may even take his life, he's still trusting that whether I live or whether I die, I'm going to die trusting God. Whether I live or whether I die, whether, whatever happens to my flesh, whatever happens to my body, I know that God is good and I want to live for that good God. And it takes a decision. It takes remembering. It takes knowing this good, good God. It, his goodness doesn't go up and down. When our situation is low, oh, his goodness is kind of good, you know. And when it's high, oh, man, the goodness of the Lord. You know, we're, we're so fickled in that way to think that God's goodness isn't shining upon me at all times. Seek his presence presence, not his presence, not just his hands, not just what he can do for us. And in our time of trouble, what do we do? We see that David inquires in his temple. I'm telling you, I don't do that all the time. When something goes wrong, I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying to search my mind. I'm, 
I'm trying to put a Band-Aid on it as quickly as possible before I even go to an almighty, all-powerful, omnipotent, sovereign God who holds the, the world together just by his words. They, the, the sun rises and, and sets at the same time. Why? Because God told it to. Like he, he has such control over everything in our world. He is con- in control over your, your broken situations. He is in control of the things that we have no control over. He's in control of our lives. God is in control. Say one thing that I've asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temples. As I was just studying this word, God, God told me to put my, put my pen and my pad down because I'm always trying to use my, my Southern Baptist theological seminary training to frame up hermeneutically the best way to, to present this and to lay it out. And, and this time he said, put your pen and your pad down and just be in my presence for a while. Stop trying to force a word out of me and, and, and see what kind of word that I will give to you. So as, as I'm just thinking about and I'm just praying, and I thank God for Miss Martha Harris. She gave me Dr. Whitney's book, just praying through the scriptures praying the Bible. So I, I read the book and, and, and I start just praying through these scriptures, just praying the words of God back to him. And it was such a sweet time in the spirit, just such a sweet time in his presence. It was just such a sweet, and it came at the right time, it seemed like. Every, every time you, you, you preach, you are, it's spiritual warfare. Thing, things start to happen. Temptations and, and, and life start to happen. And sometimes you just try to power through and you just try to get through it, but this time I just sat in his presence. I just sat and I just waited on him to work it out. Lord, I don't have enough time to prepare. Lord, I don't have enough time to deal with, with what's going on in my marriage and what's going on with my kids and what's going on on my job and what's going on. Like, life is too much for me right now. And he just, it was just a sweet time in his presence. He makes all things right. For those who trust in the Lord, he has your back. He will fight your battles. For those who put all their trust in God, he will fight your battles. He will make it okay. Regardless of how that situation is going to turn out, he will do it. He will surely do it. And I start to think about my grandma. And I start to think about my mom and them. Like, because like, sometimes you think, oh, they old, you know. They oh they don't really they don't really know. But the more the more I just start thinking about this, the more I know that she taught me. She taught me some stuff. I was so ashamed of my grandmother, I'm, and I'm ashamed to even say that I'm ashamed of my my grandmother now. But she didn't have a lot, you know. My grandma, we they grew, my mother, she grew up poor in Mississippi. They barely had enough to eat. Like, when we went down there, when we visited, we knew that they, barely, they didn't have anything in the fridge. Like, you, you didn't ask when you went to my grandmother's house because we knew that she probably didn't have it. We made sure we ate before we got there, you know, type of situation. And, and in a lot of people's mind, like, she was losing in life, you know. She didn't have much. She, she lived in a broke-down trailer, you know, and... Uh, 
But she treated that trailer like it was a million dollar mansion. You better keep your feet off of her dog on uh, her coffee table. You know, she, she woke up early sweeping that floor. <laughs> the rug was so thin, you might as well just had the boards down there. Like, But when she cooked for us, you know, we, we always knew when she was cooking because she was singing. And she, her favorite hymn was uh, Yield Not to Temptation. And I would always hear start to start that verse. Why don't you ask the Savior to help you? Comfort, strengthen, and keep you. He is willing to aid you. He will see you through. She was teaching us how to go through those situations. And you know what? Something about that rubbed off on my mom because when she would prepare our meals, I would hear her. I would hear her singing hymns. And she was reminding herself of the goodness of God, you know. And one of her favorite hymns, I don't know if it was a hymn or a prayer sometimes, she would say, I need... <clears throat> The oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee. Whoa, bless me now, my Savior. I come to. taught us. They didn't have no seminary training, but they taught us how to lean and depend on God. They taught us what it looked like to trust only in Him. When they didn't have anything, they taught us. And this is a, this is a hymn of David. He's just reminding himself of the goodness of God. He's reminding himself that it's not of my strength. David slung 10,000. No, God did it. God was my strength. He was the strength of my life. He's the very reason that I'm here. When I'm hiding from Saul, when I'm running from David, he's my stronghold. I'm not the light of Israel, he said. I'm the moon because I'm only reflecting the true light. And that's Jesus. And I was just And all he wanted was to dwell in the house of the Lord. He wanted to be so close to God because he knew the benefits of it. He knew that it wasn't anything else. He was his strength. He says just to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. How often do we do that, saints? How often do we just sit and we take a time out from this life and we just sit and gaze on the beauty of the Lord when we just think about the goodness of God, even in our situations? For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon the rock. We... Your situations may be able to touch your body, but if, he had, if you trust him with your life, if you trust him with your heart,
If you trust him with your soul, can't nobody touch that. We had a deacon. My, my father is also in pastoral ministry down in Mississippi. And we would, we would make rounds to the sick and the shut-in. And we had a deacon, Deacon Shivers, who was suffering from cancer. And he had been suffering for about three years. And he was back in the hospital undergoing a, a surgery. And he was just so outside of his mind that when we went to visit him, he didn't know who we were. We had visited him almost like every week, the same time we were, but, and it was so disheartening to see that his body was deteriorating to a point where he, he couldn't recognize people who had been in his life this whole time. And even the last time that I saw him, his wife had came in with, with us, and it was kind of funny because he was like, hey, who is that pretty lady over there? Like, he was so outside of his mind that he, he found his wife attractive again. She, he didn't know who she was. But if you asked him about his testimony, about when he came to the Lord, he could tell you just like, just like it was nothing. And that made me understand that it's certain things that can touch your body. It's certain things that can touch your body. But if you have entrusted your soul to God, can no, no situation, no circumstance, no enemy can touch what God has secured. And we have to trust him with our life. We have to trust him with our everyday. We have to trust him with our soul. In the heart of a waiter, is con- he's confident in the Lord. The Lord is his one thing. In the heart of the waiter, the, 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 my last point is that he praises. The heart of a waiter is the heart of a praiser. You have no choice but to praise when you know it's not in and of yourself that you are even here sitting in the seats that you're sitting in. That you have the activity of the limbs that you have. You, you didn't do it for yourself. It wasn't your gym membership that made you strong. It wasn't. It wasn't your superior intellect that has kept your mind from going completely insane. It isn't your superior system that has kept you navigating this life to the point where you're not impoverished. He is the author of life and death. He is the author of riches and poor. He, he owns everything. And he is worthy of praise. And he said, now my head should be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. I will praise the Lord. I love Psalms 34. Amen. Somebody know it. I will bless the Lord at all times. Good times and bad times, I will bless the Lord at all times. I'm going to make that declaration in my life that I don't care what kind, of, what kind of situations or circumstances I'm going through. I'm going to bless the Lord. That is the heart of a, of a waiter. That's the heart of somebody who is waiting on the Lord to deliver them, who knows the abilities of, of God, who knows that the goodness of God has not wavered. There's no shadow of change within him. The same good God that was yesterday, he's the same one that's today and will be tomorrow. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. We have to learn to start to praising God. 
We praise so many things. We praise this NBA Finals. We praise LeBron James and Steph Curry. We praise, we praise the people that are rich. We, we idolize somebody in our life. We watch somebody closely. Why don't we praise a good God? He is worthy of praise. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our acknowledgement. He is sufficient for your needs. He is a good God, even through our situations, even through loss. If I lose everything, this was, this was the heart of a waiter. If I lose everything, but God is on my side, I have lost nothing. He says later in, his, in those verses, he says, if my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will gather me up. He will take you in. No matter what you lost, if you have God, you have not lost. We have to wait on him. We have to have the heart of a waiter. And because Jesus Christ came and he died and he suffered and he bled, because he inserted himself into our broken situations, because he came near to us when we were far from him, because his grace, the grace of Jesus Christ, pursued each and every one that's sitting in, this, in those seats aggressively. It wasn't, it wasn't because you made that decision. It wasn't just because you made that decision, I will say. But it's because he pursued you. He came after you. He saw you in despair, and he heard you. He heard your cry. That was my dad's right there. Love lifted me. That's my dad's favorite one right there. Amen. <laughs> when nothing else could help, love lifted me. When nothing else, when I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. Amen. Amen. He lifted me out of that muck in the mar. He lifted me up out of the waters that were drowning me. He lifted me. He came to our situation. He came into it. He sent his son into it to, to die on our behalf. He died the death that we deserve. He lived the life that we couldn't live on our own. He was the ultimate picture of trusting in the Lord and waiting on him. And because he lived we can live the heart of a waiter. Because he died, we can live the heart of a waiter. Because he yet lives, our well-being is secured if we have our faith securely tucked in him. And I'd be remiss to say that if you don't have your, if you don't have your trust securely tucked in God, you're without that light. You're without that savior at this point. You're without the strength. You're going through this life and you're just going through it. You're trying to get through it. You're not, you're not even living. You're just trying to make it. You're just trying to make it through because we're still trying to hold on to that control of our own self. His grace will pursue you. His son died not for no reason. We have to be totally dependent on God. And I, I, pray to, I pray that my words have not failed. If you would, bow with me. 
Dear Lord, we come thanking you for who you are, Lord God. We thank you for your presence, Lord God. We thank you for your son. We thank you for your word, Lord God, that guides and comforts our life, Lord God. We thank you that you are a God who sits high and he looks low, Lord God, and he's not ignorant of what we go through from the day to day, Lord God. We thank God that you are our light, our direction. In darkness, Lord God, you guide us. We thank God that that you sent your son to save us out of our situations, Lord God, to prepare a way for us, Lord God, that that we may have a heart of, of someone who waits on you, Lord God. We thank you right now, Lord God, and we just acknowledge you, Lord God. We praise you in this moment, Lord God, for what you have done, Lord, and what you will do. I pray that your words, these words will not go for a void, but accomplish everything that you would have it to, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen.